In Swedish elections held on the weekend, the mood of the public swung decidedly to the right, with the neo-Nazi-linked Sweden Democrats emerging as the second largest party in the country, and they're currently holding the lead in a loose coalition of parties from the far right. Italy looks like it might follow suit. Their election, set to be held on September 25, could see a party win power which has direct links to the fascists led by Mussolini. The Brothers of Italy is ironically led by a relatively young woman by the name of Giorgia Meloni, who may soon be the next PM. Our next guest is going to tell us more about who she is and how likely it is that this woman from The Brothers is to win. John Hooper has been a foreign correspondent for more than 30 years and is currently The Economist's correspondent for Italy and the Vatican. He's been a previous guest on Late Night Live talking about his book, The Italians. John joins us from Rome. Hello. Hello there, Ellen. Now, I was sympathising with you earlier that you have this task of explaining the <laughs> complex web of Italian politics to an Australian audience, and you say there are uh, compensations <laughs> living in Italy. So let's start at the beginning. Things seem to be going very uh, in a very sort of staid and responsible way in Italy. Mario Draghi, ex-boss of the European Central Bank, bit of a technocrat, but it, it was all hanging together quite nicely. What went wrong? Well, it was a process of gradual fall as one party after another withdrew its support from his government, starting with the maverick, very hard to classify, populist, but more in the centre, five-star movement, which objected to part of a bill that he'd tabled to deal with the cost of living crisis and felt also that it just didn't go far enough. That gave an opening to the right-wing parties in his broad coalition to then withdraw their support. And though he actually won his votes of confidence on this bill, um, he decided that enough was enough. He was already... I think, pretty fed up with the bickering between the various parties in his coalition. And he had wanted to become a head of state to win the presidential election, which he failed to do. And therefore, I, I think he was ready to throw in the towel, quite frankly. Hmm. Uh, and he did well to unite left and right for as long as he did. But I suppose it was you, in absence of bylines in The Economist, writing at the time of his ascension to the prime ministership, that if you put an unelected technocrat in, there is a risk that this will play into the hands of populists. And that's just exactly what's happened. Yeah, um, indeed. It's the party that stayed out of his coalition, the only major party that did so, the Brothers of Italy, which has prospered um, handsomely during his tenure of office. Um, they've come up from, um, at the last election, just over 4% to around about 25%. And they are now looking like the biggest party in Italy and the one that will top the polls on September the 25th. 
And because of an agreement within the right-wing electoral alliance to which they belong, the party that gets the most votes, which looks like being the Brothers of Italy, gets to put forward to the president the name of the prime minister, which is why, at the moment, everybody expects that their leader, Giorgia Meloni, will be Italy's next prime minister. And that is an extraordinary elevation for this woman, isn't it? From 4% to 25%. Now, admittedly, tough economic times are around, but, but how has she turned around the fortunes of the Brothers of Italy? Start by telling us who this mob are. I mean, they've taken the first line from the national anthem, uh, but there's a lot more to know. Yes, they are intensely nationalistic. They are into waving flags, into declaring themselves to be patriots. They are the successors to the neo-fascist movement that came into being after the fall of the dictatorship and after World War II. They're the part of the movement, what's more, that didn't want to go through a process of giving up their identity. Having said that, um, Ms. Meloni is a is a, an enigma because she one moment is evoking these memories of the past and advocating a radical right-wing agenda as she did, for example, not so very long ago when addressing the hard right movement in Spain, Vox, and then giving a very different message to the voters in Italy, one of moderation, of sobriety, of responsibility, and anything but extremism, though there are odd moments when, as for example at the weekend in Milan, she will suddenly seem to be altogether more radical as she was when she took a a Eurosceptic turn saying, you know, the days of wine and rose are over for you guys up in Brussels. We are going to be pressing Italian demands like you've never seen before. It's really a debate as to whether she, uh, first of all, really believes in the old values, and secondly, whether they will have any place in a Brothers of Italy-led government. A lot of people think that she's going to have enough on her plate not to be starting any kind of culture wars, for example. This is interesting because her policies, the ones that she's quite open about rather than any kind of dog whistling or or signalling in culture wars, seem pretty radical. I mean, nationalising industry and the views on the welfare state. Take me through those. Yes, she has these in her programme, but she's very much playing that down, uh, just not mentioning nationalisation on the hustings. And when she talks about welfare, what she aims to do at all turns is to say, we'll be aiming for job creation. And that goes down very well with an electorate, which has seen Italy go through really two decades of 
lack of growth. In real terms, Italians are probably worse off now than they were at the turn of the century. Her economic policies, though, do leave a big void. They are the kind of policies you would expect from people in opposition rather than uh, a party that is on the brink of governing the country. And one of her big problems is a lack of expertise. And that is a real worry, that there's just a lack of competence when it comes to the economy at a time when Italy, like the rest of Europe, is facing huge problems because of the rising cost of energy on top of the rising cost of almost everything else as a result of the the war and the effects of the, the pandemic. Mm. This is extraordinary that she's managed to present herself <clears throat> to the electorate as a moderate when um, your reporting over the years has demonstrated really how radical she is. She voted against euthanasia, participated in an anti-LGBT rights demonstration, as you've said earlier, developed ties with the far right in Spain. But I'm interested in going right back to when she was 15 and joined the youth branch of the Italian social movement. To what extent does that draw a line between her and the fascists? And all that goes with that. So to what extent are the neo-fascists really children and grandchildren of the fascists? I think the big difference has been that the neo-fascists have always played the parliamentary game and they have never given any sign that they want to impose any kind of a totalitarian state. I think the big question about not only Giorgia Meloni, but also about the wider Brothers of Italy movement is whether in power, when... Uh, push perhaps comes to shove when they hit a crisis, will they fall back on the kind of rhetoric and policies that mark not a totalitarian state, but an illiberal one? Could they then start to align Italy, not only politically, but socially and culturally, with countries like Poland and Hungary, as well as with the far right or hard right in Spain. I think that is the big question. What's the anti-immigration sentiment that she's expressing that, as I understand it, is going down quite well? How radical is it? What is it exactly? It is radical. It's more radical, in fact, than any other right-wing party in Italy. The programme of the Brothers of Italy is for a naval blockade. How exactly they would do this, they have never explained. And notably, Giorgia Meloni avoids talking about that in her campaign speeches. But she does, for example, link immigrants to drug peddling, to prostitution and so on. So this is so this is the Navy it, version of build a wall, the naval version of build a wall, the Trumpian call. Yes, absolutely. And it is one that I think sounds good to those who are frightened by immigration, but it is one that in practice most 
people say is just impossible. How she is going to therefore deal with that paradox, we don't know. But I think that a lot of her supporters are going to find that uh, the government in practice is going to be different from the government in theory. It's it's a it's a bad time for this sort of um, instability and inexperience. Um, you've written extensively about the energy crisis uh, in Italy that everyone in Europe and the UK is facing. Inflation, which is what's the rate of inflation in Italy at the moment? Uh, it's coming on for ten percent at the moment. Right. So. It's nowhere uh, near as bad as in some other countries, the prospects, but it's still, you know, something that people are really noticing. What they're really noticing in this country, though, is the hike in the gas bills and the Mm. electricity Mm. bills. And there is actually a campaign going on among people who run shops and cafes to put their latest bill into the window so that their customers can see just how much it's gone up. Um, A cafe not far from where I'm speaking has put up a bill that's 22,000 for two months, 22,000 euros. Yes. So what are the consequences economically if the EU takes a dim view of a Prime Minister Maloney and her agenda? What are the consequences for Italy? I think there are direct consequences and indirect ones. There's the the direct consequences could be that the EU Commission in Brussels restricts or even stops the supply of money from the EU's post-pandemic recovery fund. But I think that that's something, a step they would only take in the last resort However, any row between Brussels and a future Italian government is going to make the markets very nervous. Investors are worried because Italy's debts are so huge, 160% approximately, of the country's GDP. That casts doubt on its ability to repay its debts in the future. And if Italy gets into a position where the markets are demanding ever higher returns in return for the country's IOUs, its bonds, then um, Italy's borrowing costs will go up and it becomes more difficult to sustain its public finances. So you get this kind of vicious circle going around, very similar to what happened back in 2011, 2012 during the euro crisis. And that could pitch the country into a genuine crisis. We're a long way from that at the moment, but that is the threat if the tension between an Italian government and Brussels gets to be too great. And just briefly and finally, would that tension warm Vladimir Putin's heart? This is another factor, of course. Some believe that it's no coincidence that the three parties that got together to bring down Mr Draghi, who'd taken a very strong pro-Western stance on Ukraine, were all ones to which, to a greater or lesser extent, 
had been tolerant of Vladimir Putin's regime. And now we have a split between the two main partners in the right-wing alliance, between uh, Giorgia Meloni and her ostensible ally, uh, Matteo Salvini of the Northern League, over that very issue, with Meloni saying that she wants to back uh, the Western alliance and NATO, and Mr. Salvini taking a kind of flexible position, portraying himself as a peacemaker, and above all, questioning the value of sanctions. So this is an issue that also raises questions about the future stability and unity of right-wing government in this country. Well, after that dizzying account of Italian politics, John, I think we should leave you to the consolations of La Dolce Vita. Thank you so much for your time tonight. (laughs) Thank you, Ellen. It's been a pleasure. John Hooper has been a foreign correspondent for more than 30 years. He's currently The Economist's correspondent for Italy and the Vatican and the author of The Italians, published by Penguin. Getting in touch with ABC RN is easy. Join the conversation live using the ABC Listen app's call and text features.